And uh, once you get there, um, hold your place and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10. We'll be in both places this morning. Exodus chapter 30, and then over to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We're going to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I'm going to read one of the verses here, and then we're going to have a word of prayer, and we'll move over to Exodus chapter 30. Ecclesiastes is written by uh, King David's son Solomon, we believe. Uh, King Lemuel is the name that is used, um, but a very wise uh, man, uh, certainly by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, penned these words, and uh, but was the human uh, instrument that was used to pen these words. And uh, this writer has basically lived his life holding nothing back. He experienced everything there was in life to experience in that day. He had tried everything. If there was a pleasure out there to try, he tried it. And he came to the conclusion after all of it, he said, I've tried it all. And he said, I found out that all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Unless we give our hearts to the Lord. In other words, only value in life that there is, and this is what the writer was saying, is when we give our lives to Him and make our lives meaningful through the Lord Jesus Christ or through God Himself. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, he's writing and he gives some words of wisdom here. This is more of a a typical type of a proverb type of a statement. And he makes this statement in chapter 10 verse number 1. He says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Father, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'll bless the next few moments as we look into your word and learn some truth from it. And so I pray that you would guide and direct our steps as we come to its pages. I pray that your Holy Spirit will give us clarity of thought and mind, help us to have full understanding and illumination of the truth. And then, Father, most importantly, May we walk in it. May we follow after the truth of your word and be yielded and willing to follow after it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. The apothecary is uh, not a word we use much anymore. Uh, it was used really up until probably the late 1800s, 1900s, rather regularly, and it was the place where you would go to get medicines. It was the, the, the drugstore, if you will, or the pharmacy, and was uh, usually run by someone who knew about herbs and spices and uh, medicinal things, and they could, they could uh, mix solutions. And uh, the word ointment here is a different word from like the word oil, for instance, there's times in the Bible where the Bible says that, um, that they were anointed with oil and uh, for the purpose of uh, setting apart either a priest or a king, oftentimes. 
But this word ointment means that it's a mixture. There's more than just oil in it. They put some other things into it and create uh, an ointment, um, which is a rather interesting thing. And I want you to keep that in mind. We're going to come back to Ecclesiastes 10 here in just a few moments. But I want us to go over to Exodus chapter 30 and see a little bit more detail about what perhaps this ointment could be. Uh, and, and certainly it, it will tell us uh, how these ointments were made. In Exodus chapter 30, God is giving very, very specific instructions to the nation of Israel about how the tabernacle is to function. Uh, he's going to set aside Aaron and his line uh, as the priestly line that were to serve in the tabernacle. And there were certain things that were supposed to be in the tabernacle. There were ceremonial things they were supposed to do in order to purify and uh, keep these things reverence uh, to God and set apart for God. And uh, as we get to uh, Exodus chapter number 30, let's start looking down around verse number 22. And uh, you can take time to read all of the other stuff about it later. It's a pretty amazing thing to listen to and read all of these things that God had set aside. And, and by the way, let me just say this. God is detailed to the nation of Israel about how they were to worship. And I will say this, that how we worship does matter. A lot of people in today's world say, well, uh, everybody can just, however, whatever God puts on your heart. No, no, God's pretty specific. Uh, there are certain, certain conducts that we're to have when we come to the house of God. And the Bible teaches us that. In the New Testament, Paul speaks of it very clearly about how we ought to behave ourselves when we come into the house of God. And I'll tell you this, a lot of churches would do well to take some time to study those things and get back to them in the day that we live because a lot of churches are certainly not following God's way of doing things. And uh, if, you don't think, if you don't think methods matter, tell that to Uzzah. Uzzah was a, a fellow that when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back from being captured by the Philistines, David had a brand new cart built and he had the oxen there and he loaded the, uh, the Ark onto the oxen cart and they were taking it by the oxen cart uh, where it should be. And uh, when it was going along the road, there was a, a jolt in the road and it, and it toppled it a little bit and the Ark began to, to move and they were afraid it was going to tip over. And Uzzah, not thinking, reached out and touched the ark and tried to stabilize it. And he, I have every, I have every uh, notion in my head that there was not a, an ill thought in Uzzah's heart about disrespecting God or, or not showing reverence to things. I think he simply was trying to protect the ark. I really do. But what did God do? God struck him dead, didn't he? Because they weren't doing it the way God said to do it. God had told them that they were to put staves through the rings on the side and that the Levites were to carry it upon their shoulders. Methods matter to God. The way we do things in church matters to God. It certainly does. We're living in a day where people say, well, if you, if you say the church has to be this way, you're legalistic. No, no, we're trying to be Christ-honoring. And there is a difference. There is a difference. Let's look in uh, chapter 30, verse number 22 of Exodus. Moreover, the, word, uh, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even two hundred and fifty shekels, and of sweet calamus, two hundred uh, and fifty shekels, and of cassia, uh, five hundred shekels, 
after the shekel of the sanctuary and of olive and hen. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment. That's interesting, isn't it? Holy ointment. An ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. Thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith and the ark of the testimony and the table and all of his vessels and the candlestick and his vessels and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all his vessels and the labor and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, consecrating them, and they may, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now, it's interesting that, that God is giving Moses instruction here that he is to make an oil that is an ointment. And he gives them the list of spices and, and the things that he wants to be in there for the purifying and the consecration of not only the uh, items that are in the tabernacle, but also for the anointing of Aaron and his priestly line. It's interesting, as you go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 for a moment, it's interesting that the Bible says this, dead flies cause the ointment. That's a very specific article. Definite article, we would call it. The ointment of the apothecary. I don't know this to be a, a fact, but it is interesting that he didn't say the ointments, plural, of the apothecary, because obviously they made more than just the one, I'm sure. But why the distinct singular, the ointment? I believe that the nation of Israel knew exactly what, they were, what was being spoken about here. That this was the ointment that was supposed to stay pure. It's supposed to stay holy. It's amazing that God says this as we get over, in, let's go back to Exodus chapter 30 for a moment, in verse number 25. I want you to notice a couple of things here. The Bible says, And thou shalt make, uh, make it an oil of holy ointment. There, there is a holiness that came about from this particular ointment that God was having them make. The holiness wasn't because there was something chemically interesting about the herbs and the spices. The holiness came because God sanctified it to be holy. God said, this is the way I want it done, and if you'll do it this way, this ointment is going to be a holy ointment. So much so that he tells them a few verses later that anything that touches the items that were anointed with this ointment would also be holy. Well, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? In the world that we live in, it is usually the corrupt that contaminates the holy. But when God makes something holy, it is the holy that purifies that which is corrupted. Isn't that an amazing thought? This is a holy ointment that he's making here. And notice also that he says this, not only is it a holy ointment, but as we read on down in verse number 28, he says, The altar of burnt offering with all his vessels and labor in his foot uh, and thou shalt sanctify them. All these items that were anointed by this ointment were to be sanctified. The idea of sanctification is that they are, they are purposed for a specific thing. That they're, not just, they're not just used commonly, but they are set apart for a specific thing. This ointment that was put on them 
uh, was something that was to sanctify. And when we, when we uh, get saved, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And we use the word that, that He does a sanctifying work in us. He sets us apart for a specific purpose. And that is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives. But it's interesting that this ointment uh, is, is used to sanctify uh, these vessels and these things that are in the, temp- in the tabernacle. And so he says, And thou shalt sanctify them, that they be most holy. This is part of the sanctifying work. This is the setting apart. They're not to be common. They're to be holy. They're not to be contaminated. They're to be holy. And not only holy, but the Bible says this, that they be most holy. I like what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, God is light, and in Him is no darkness. And as if that's not enough to say, they added the words, at all. There is no darkness unless you think there's just a little bit. We're going to add the words at all to make sure you know that this is absolute light. There is no darkness in Him at all. And I get the same idea when I come to this verse when it says they're not just holy, they're most holy. There's no holier that these things can become. Why? Because the ointment has been applied to them. Notice what else it says here in verse number 29. Not only are they the sanctifying work, not only is it setting them apart to be most holy, but it also says this, that whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. This sanctifying work that this ointment does creates these vessels as very, very special. They're sacred. They're set apart. They're to be holy for the Lord and they are to influence the things that come in contact with them to holiness. I want you to also notice as we read on down verse number 30 and thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. So he there to take this the same ointment that the apothecary has mixed up that God has given very specific instructions on and they are to sanctify these vessels but they are also to consecrate and to set apart Aaron and his sons for the work of the priesthood the the work of the the priest's office here and thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel saying this shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations upon man's flesh shall it not be poured neither shall ye make any other like it after the composition of it it is holy and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from his people. And the Lord said to Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices. And he gives a list of some more spices here. And verse number 35, it says, And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. Now, I'm not sure if these were used in conjunction with and used at the exact same time, but we have an ointment and we have a perfume, both of them made by the apothecary. And notice the Bible says this in verse 36, And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before 
the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now that's another word for the Ark of the Covenant, by the way, the, the testimony. Where I will meet with thee, and it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make it to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. So we have a holy ointment that is used for the setting apart and sanctifying. We have one that obviously is made by the apothecary for the purpose of the smell the perfume, that it would be a sweet-smelling savor and odor to the Lord. It was to be given to the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor. The writer of Ecclesiastes made this statement. He said, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. In other words, when this ointment gets corrupted, when it gets polluted, uh, it's no good anymore. Last night, my son and I were out to eat at a restaurant. I'm not going to tell you where it was at. We were out to eat, and my son got a, a, a sandwich and some fries. When they came out, we were sitting there eating for a few moments, and he had finished his sandwich, and he's just getting ready to eat his French fries, and he noticed there was this little black thing on one of the French fries, and he picked it up, and it was a, it was a house fly that had been fried to the French fry. He put it over in, on the side, and I said, you want me to get you some more French fries? He said, Dad, it was only on one fry. He's getting ready to eat them. I said, no, don't you do that. You don't know what other fries that thing's been touched by. But, you know, we laugh at that because the truth is we think, well, that's absurd, wouldn't it? That we would allow something that's contaminated to say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Not, not that big a deal. But can I tell you this this morning that the Bible teaches very clearly, and we're going to use this as kind of a launching point for the message this morning, that there is something that about, about the Christian life that ought to be set apart, it ought to be sanctified. In fact, the Bible tells us now that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which we have of God, and we are not our own, for we are bought with the price. There, are, there ought to be a sanctification work. And back in the Old Testament, they used an ointment for this, in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. And He does the same type of work that that anointing oil did and that ointment did back in the Old Testament times. It sets people apart. It creates holiness, or at least a desire for holiness in the life of a Christian. It causes that Christian to be sanctified and, and, and to be striving for the most holy they can become. It ought to be such that in a Christian's life, when a corrupt thing touches that life, instead of us moving towards corruption, it ought to be drawing them towards holiness. And the Holy Spirit has this ability to do that. In fact, the Bible tells us very clearly that a man cannot come to Christ except the Holy Spirit draw him. We live in a day where we have relinquished the might, the power, the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And you say, Pastor, how has that happened? And I'll tell you this, I think it's because we've allowed too many flies in the ointment. We've allowed too many things to come in and take that which is meant for holiness, and it's meant for sanctification, and it's meant as a sweet-smelling savor to God, and we've allowed it to become contaminated. 
and corrupted. Take a moment with me, if you will, and turn to John chapter number 12. John chapter 12. In John 12, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made, a, made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. I want you to notice this statement. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, we read that, and I, I read that, and I think, boy, this is a, a beautiful picture, isn't it? I mean, here's, here's Mary at the feet of Jesus. And she's, she's got this very expensive spikenard oil. I mean, uh, this is something that's precious. And she anoints not the head of the Lord Jesus, but she anoints His feet, that which is usually the most smelly, the most common, the most base part of us, with this ointment. And the Bible tells us this, that when she, when she anointed them, him, His feet with the ointment, that the, the odor filled the house. Can I tell you this, that when the ointment of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of us is what it should be, when we keep it holy and when we keep it sanctified and when we keep it pure, it has a sweet-smelling savor. I wonder what kind of odor filled that house that day. I mean, we read that and we assume that it was pleasant, don't we? We assume that the spikenard did what it was supposed to, that it, it smelled the way that spikenard is supposed to. But what if a fly had gotten into it and had spoiled it? What if it had turned it from a sweet smelling to a foul smell. It's interesting that all of us, all of us who've trusted Christ as our Savior, have a testimony that is borne out by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it is also borne out by the opposition of the flesh that we allowed into our lives. And whether our odor, our testimony, is sweet-smelling, or whether it stinks, will, determine, will be determined by if it is corrupted or not. Am I yielded to the Holy Spirit and His work in my life? He's trying to make me more holy. He's trying to make me more sanctified. He's trying to consecrate me for God's work. He's trying to make me an odor of sweet-smelling savor and one that worships God and lifts God up and one that is a good testimony to this world. And that's the desire of the Holy Spirit, but the old flesh is warring against Him. And when I began to let a few little flies in here and there from the flesh, and I began to say, well, it doesn't matter if I, if I, uh, if I say that word. It doesn't matter if I, if I lose my temper. It doesn't matter if I disobey in this area of Scripture. It's just a small thing, or it doesn't matter if I tell a little white lie. It doesn't seem to harm anything. And we begin to let flies in the ointment. We begin to have things that will corrupt that which is supposed to be most holy. The things that are part of the temple of God that ought to be set apart for very specific, very special, very reverent use. 
is now contaminated and corrupted. And I wonder what kind of odor our life produces. The other day we were in Wisconsin. My son and I was able finally to to do a, an event that I had wanted to do for many, many years in my life, and God never seemed to allow it to happen until this year, and I was so thankful He did. It was just an enjoyable time, and, and it was the perfect time. If I, I, I enjoyed it at the time I went. And uh, But it was hot. Uh, we picked one of the hottest weeks of the year to go. And uh, I promise you, I, I, you know, I, I, I shower, and I put deodorant on, but I'm going to tell you, by about noon, Either Jonathan or I was stinking. In fact, the truth is probably both of us were. The reason was we'd been out in that hot sun and we had been around a lot of things. And even though we had washed and cleaned ourselves, we were allowing stuff to get on us and bacteria to grow. And you know how that all works out and you're sweating a lot and and, uh, all these things. And, you know, it would have been crazy for me to go home that night and say, you know, I stink pretty bad. I'm just going to go on to bed and... We'll get up again tomorrow. We're going to do the same thing again tomorrow. And I didn't take a shower. I didn't do anything to put deodorant on, make me smell better. And I just went back out stinking again the next day. Wouldn't that be crazy? I I mean, most of us, we understand sometimes you get working hard, you don't smell the best. But wouldn't wouldn't it be stupid of us to just not do anything about it? And there are times in our lives where we need to come to realization that maybe my testimony stinks a little bit. Maybe there's some flies that have gotten in this ointment that that have caused it to have a foul odor. And I want us to understand something, that when the odor is released, when the the testimony is put out there, I don't care if it's stinking or if it's smelling good, either one is going to fill the house. There There are people around that are going to see that. They're going to smell that. They're going to understand that. And it is vitally important for you and I as God's people to get to the place where, where regularly we look into our hearts and say, do I have some flies? Do I have some things in my life that need to be purged out so that I can be a good testimony? I don't want to just be holy. I want to be most holy. I want to be sanctified for the Master's use. I want to be set apart. If this body is the temple of God, I want it to represent the temple of God. I want to give forth a sweet-smelling savor. I want the odor to fill all the house and for people to be drawn to the sweetness of that testimony. Not repelled by it. Look with me in Mark chapter number 14. Mark gives an account of this also. Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter 14, and let's look in verse number 1. And two days, after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. <coughs> but they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she break the box, poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation with themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? There's another account of Christ being anointed. It's interesting that in the first account we read, that when that ointment was applied, it filled all the house. But there's something interesting about this one. 
And that is that in order for the odor to be able to be effective, the alabaster box had to be broken. I understand that this is a play on words to some extent, but the truth of the matter is a testimony is no testimony at all if we do not have a broken and a contrite spirit. If we don't give a testimony out and send forth that odor, if we're not willing to be a broken vessel in the hands of the potter, to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will. When we talk about being a broken vessel, we're not talking about physically or mentally debilitated. We're talking about the will. Breaking our will and saying, Lord, I don't want my will. I want your will. Because this ointment that we have, this testimony, if you will, is borne out either in the Holy Spirit's working in our lives or in our yielding to the flesh. One of them smells good. One of them is holy. One of them is going to be sanctified. One of them is going to draw people to the Lord Jesus Christ. The other is going to be repugnant. It's going to cause us to be repelled. It's going to turn people from the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have anointment. The question is, how's your ointment? Do we have some flies in it? Are there, some, are there some things we need to look at in our life and say that needs to be purged? I long to be a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. In Psalm 92, verse number 10, the psalmist writes, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. You know, it's possible for you and I as Christians, if we've got flies in the ointment, to get them out and to say, Holy Spirit, give me some fresh oil. Anoint me again. Give me that, give me that smell, that sweet-smelling savor. Help me to be holy. Help me to be most holy. Help me to be sanctified and, and set apart for the purpose of God's service. Help me to be tempered constant, steadfast. Help me to be a testimony that when people see that testimony, it draws them to the Lord Jesus Christ, not repels them away. I want my testimony when it goes out, to, I want it to fill all the house, but I want it to be a pleasant odor. I want it, I want it to draw people to the Lord. I want everywhere I go for people to see Christ in me. And how well we succeed at that is going to determine, or is going to be determined by how our ointment is. Do we have a lot of flies in it? You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot in my life. I just got one little thing. You know what the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 10? It, only, it, doesn't, take, it doesn't take a whole lot of them. Just a fly. Just one. Just a little one. It'll get in there. We went to that restaurant last night. That fly was only on one french fry. Would any of you want to eat the rest of them? No. No. It has a contaminating effect, doesn't it? And here's the problem that we battle. And we all battle it. 
This pastor battles it. And I know all of us that sit here today battle this. We are susceptible to allowing flies in our ointment. We're prone to it. Our human nature longs for it. And unless we come to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to yield myself to you. I want to have a testimony that's pleasing to you. Help me be anointed with fresh oil. Help me to have that ointment that is a sweet-smelling savor. A testimony that will fill all the house and be pleasant to those that see it. How's your ointment today? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we pray that you'll bless the teaching and preaching of your word. There are an awful lot of things that can be flies in our ointment. Our calendar (coughs) being too busy to serve the Lord, to do things that we know are Christ-honoring, can be a fly. The things that we are affectionate about, things that we love, things that we do in our life, that draw our hearts away from you, it can be a fly. The thoughts and intents of our heart, if they're not brought into captivity, if we don't yield them to you, it can be a fly. Dishonesty, immorality, evil thinking, dishonesty, anger, wrath, so many things that are part of the works of the flesh that can be a little fly in the ointment. Lord, some have more flies than others, but I pray that you'd help all of us to look for them and ask you to help us to get them out of our lives so that our ointment can be a sweet-smelling savor to you and so that it can be a testimony and cause all that come in contact with it to be influenced by it, to have a purifying effect in this world. I pray that you bless the invitation. Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't know if they're saved, they don't know if they're going to go to heaven or not. They've been trying to live a good life and they think they'll make it there one day. But Lord, they may not have ever trusted you and put their faith in you what you've done for them. I pray that today would be that day they would get that matter settled. Bless the invitation and use it as you would see fit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. The piano will play through just a hymn of invitation if God has spoken to you. The altars are available if you'd like to come and pray at the altar. If you'd like to pray in your seat, that's fine too. But whatever God's laid on